It's so true sometimes, right, that uh, that Christmas card photo, you know, the one you get and you see, it, it, it tells a little bit different story than reality, right? <laughs> a little bit different. Uh, we all get those uh, Christmas cards. You might have got some last Christmas, right? You received some of those cards. You stuck them on the fridge for a few weeks. It's always awkward to know, you know, how long do you have to keep them before you throw them away? And uh, for us, just a few days. But uh, we got a few of those. Uh, every year we get, we get a few. And uh, it seems like every year we get a couple of them that are like so incredibly perfect. They look, you know, like something like this. You know, you, you get that kind of picture and you're just like, oh, wow, you know, what is this, an ad for Colgate or something here? Uh, and you look at it and it just kind of makes me want to throw up, you know, that's so perfect um, on it here. And uh, you know that uh, nowadays you can actually go to a photo studio. It's been so long since we've go- gone because, you know, my wife has been a professional pho- photographer, so we, we don't ever go. But I've learned that you can actually go to the studios now, and uh, many of them offer this head swap thing. Have you heard about this? You know, so if you don't get everyone lined up just perfect and looking just right and smiling just right, you can do some, some Photoshop from a, a head swap from a different picture you took, and they kind of blend it all together to make this perfect family photo. So you look at it and you say, how in the world did you get your, your oh-so-obedient kids to smile like that? They go, well, we didn't. We just swapped a few heads around with different pictures that we took of the, you know, the 90 or so that we took that day. And uh, that's what we came up with right there. And, you know, sometimes we look at these cards and you flip around on the back and they share with you a little, you know, explanation about what had gone on this past year and how, how perfect their lives were and how great everything was this year. And, you know, you're reading this sometime and you're going like, that's just not true. <laughs> that's just, it can't be true. Can't be true, right? And I'm thinking, what, what would happen if maybe a, pic, a family like this uh, that, that was pictured this perfect maybe wrote what was really going on over the course of the year? They wrote that on the back of their Christmas card. It may sound like something like this. Merry Christmas. Hope you had a great year. This year, we didn't see much of my husband, John. Uh, we didn't see him very much at all. He worried about the company downsizing, and he spent the majority of his time watching sports on TV. <laughs> Cody hates school, spends every waking moment playing video games. <laughs> Lucy quit playing piano this year. It's, she's always texting her friend, and she thinks we're trying to ruin her life. As for me, I'm bored with my job. I spend most of my countless hours of washing, cooking, and cleaning, and generally I feel unappreciated by the family. Happy New Year. <laughs> now, there's never anything like that on the back of the cards, right? Now, I'm not suggesting we all vent on our Christmas cards this year. Um, probably spend less time up on my fridge. Uh, if you do, but uh, I'm not necessarily thinking that's the route that we all need to go. Uh, But when we look at somebody's beautiful, smiling family, isn't it interesting that often, with head swap and all, we compare what we know about our own family with what we don't know about their family. And that's the comparison game we play and the measuring rod we often put into our life. True, we're often looking at the facade is what we're looking of. And then in our lives, we spend so much of our time and energy striving for what? That facade. That's what we're striving for in our life. When all the time, the picture that was taken and that we've seen really wasn't a true depiction of what's going on in families. Now, it's interesting, as we start this four-week series that was really focusing on families, all different kinds of families is what we want to look at uh, over the next four weeks. And as we look at this, perhaps we can just agree on one thing. None of us have it all right when it comes to family. Is that agreed for us? 
None of us have it perfect. None of us have all figured it out. Now, you might this morning be sitting here with you know, the husband, wife, two and a half kids, and a beautiful dog. And this morning, you might have that picture of things that, that uh, says that's the perfect looking family, but you know sitting there. First of all, you know uh, a half kid is really awkward, but uh, you know that in that setup, it's not perfect. It's not perfect, and you spend every day trying to figure out, how in the world am I going to make it through? How in the world am I going to figure out how to parent? How in the world do I figure out how to bring about this group and actually them become something in life? It's a battle every day. So can we just, at the beginning of this series, be really honest and be honest as we walk through it that we're just not perfect? And maybe if we're honest enough to say that, can we also be honest enough to not look at the family next to us and say, but we're doing better than them? Because <laughs> that's usually the next step, right? No. In this series, I believe strongly that God wants to speak to us, that God wants to talk to us about our families. So this morning, whether you are a, a married family with kids, whether you are a, a blended family this morning, whether you're a single parent, whether you're a divorced person who's, who's really, you're still trying to pick up the reins and go, whether tragedy has struck your family and has left you really with, with the people that are still in your family, whatever the makeup may be, I just believe strongly God's word wants to speak to us over the next four weeks, and he wants to challenge us in a few areas. Number one, he wants to challenge us as parents in how to raise our kids in a, a, a way that's not just worthy of God's word, but it also brings out the best in our kids. That's one thing I think he wants to speak to us. I think he also wants to speak to us in how do we function in a married relationship, whether it's, you know, your wife of 30 years or whether you've just been married a year. Maybe it's your, your second husband or wife and you're trying to figure out, how do I make this thing work? That's the second thing I think in this series God wants to speak to us about is how do we make those marriage relationships work and thrive? And then finally, uh, I believe in this series, God wants to speak and even specifically speak to, to some dads and really challenge dads and how to, to really be what the Bible has called us to be as dads. One of the biggest struggles in families is absentee, excuse me, absentee dads. Dads that either aren't there at all or dads that are there but really aren't there. And I think God wants to speak to us through his word over this series as well. But it starts with us just being honest. We're not quite there. In fact, we've all grown up, and you may have had some portrait, some picture in your head of what your family would look like. I mean, I remember as early as 7th or 8th grade looking across, across the quad at Butterfield Elementary. That was the name of the school, Butterfield. And looking across and seeing, you know, a certain girl, and it seemed like every couple months, you know, it was a different girl that I liked. But my family portrait would have that girl in the picture, <laughs> Even as young as 7th or 8th grade, we've grown up with these family porches. Maybe they look like some of these, some of these pictures you know, that you're looking at on the screen. This picture, or, or maybe you know, one, of, one of this next one that's coming up. Or, or you know, maybe they, they, it looked like this as well. But in our minds, we grew up and we thought, eventually at some point, I'm going to get married. And I'm going to have some perfect kids. And I'm going to have a dog that's very obedient to me. It never poops on the carpet, right? <laughs> That's what we think. That's what our picture is like. And this imaginary scene, it floats around in our head all the way to the point where that family comes about. And then life happens, right? Life intersects our ideal. And then what we have 
is what God really wanted to give us in the first place. And God wants to teach us. He wants to teach us how to build into our family, how to love our family. And so that's what we're looking at. Life sometimes gets in the way. Sometimes rough parts of life get in the way. Maybe there's an infidelity that happens. Somebody gets wandering eyes, acts on it, and creates a wedge in the marriage. Maybe there's a a heart attack or there was cancer, a car accident. Maybe somebody died in the family. Maybe somebody just quit and walked away. Somebody got depressed. Somebody didn't end up getting married in the first place or got married but never could have the kids to complete the portrait that was in their head. Something happens to our ideal, and now there's this sense of family or this time or season of our life is somehow less than it should be. And we try to figure out how to live in that place. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. As you're sitting here this morning, what you're living in day in and day out is living in a place where you think it is somehow less than it should be. And you're battling to try to figure out how to function in life that way. I believe the Lord has something to speak to us about over the course of this series. Now, this morning and in each week of the series, and I'll be honest, we can't speak to every component of the family each week. There's so, so many to talk about. It's one of the reasons why every year at, at back-to-school time, we'll focus on a family series. We feel like it's that important to talk about family and biblical models of families. There's just so much to dialogue about it. But this morning, we'll talk specifically, I want to focus a bit with parents and parents with kids and what might be going on now. And now, when you, uh, people talk about families, they often say things like, you know, we need to get back to the good old days of family values. Have you ever heard things like that? In fact, I mean, we're in a big time, you know, about two months away from an election. And so you'll hear that often in these speeches and in the commercials when talking about getting back, getting back to something. And often for us, we say getting back to these family values. So I thought for a moment, let's do that. Let's take a look all the way back at the beginning and look at some of these family values. Adam and Eve, first parents, right? They have these two kids, these two sons, and one hates the other. Hates them so much that one day this escalates into this big fight and it ends with one of the sons killing the other son. This is the first family, the first family dynamics that we find in God's word. Noah, we find he had a, had a drinking problem. Noah. Joseph, who's the son of Jacob, his brothers, they take him out, they tie him up, and they sell him into slavery. They go back to Jacob and they say, a wild animal got him and, and tore him up and ate him. That's the family dynamics that's happening in this family early on in God's word. King David, we find later in God's word, he takes a woman who's already happily married with somebody else and he sleeps with her. And then he sends her husband to the front line, has her husband murdered as a cover-up to this. Look, these are not perfect-looking family portraits. (laughs) These are not things we like other people to see. And though for many of you, maybe it hasn't escalated into these things, I would guess you could identify on some level of it not being perfect. So at the beginning of this family series, you know, let's let's just sort of stop trying to conform that all of our families have to look perfect. In fact, I'm not even sure God is saying to us that he needs your family to look the same as every other family. In fact, I think maybe God is wanting to tell a story through your family. I think he's wanting to tell a beautiful and a hope-filled and a redemptive story through your family. And as parents this morning, you are a crucial key component 
to that. Now, we've had many young babies, or, well, I guess all babies are young. We've had many babies born over the last year in our church. I think about six or so uh, that, have, that have been born in here. And it's so easy when they're newborns to, to really chart out where you're going with this child and how you're going to build into this child. You know, the struggle is that it, it gets harder as it goes, apparently. And as somebody who, whose kids are still fairly young... Um, I know we're, we're not even close to end of the journey, and I list the things that are much more difficult than changing diapers once were. But we all chart this course for our kids, and guess what? We should. We're an important part of building into them, and that's what we'll look at this morning. Now, most of you know I'm married. I have three kids, the oldest of which is 13 years old. My kids are pretty young. In fact, most of my parenting is still fairly unproven, <laughs> as they say. My kids may still end up in jail. <laughs> we'll, we'll just wait and see. <laughs> we'll just wait and see. Not really, the, not really the path we've charted, but you get the point. But 10 years from now or 20 years from now, you're going to be able to look back and you're going to see some evidence of how I parented my kids. You're going to see some evidence of the role that I played in their lives. A few years back, there was this survey that was taken called the Reveal Survey, and it was this poll of Christians and basically, it was Christians from all walks of life, from all different dynamics of families, and they asked them questions, many, many questions. There was 300 or so questions on this reveal survey. One of the categories was that of families. And there was a series of questions that really talked about family values and family things and on and on. The survey concluded that there was these five characteristics or these five, these five practices, traits, if you want to call them that, that all of these families that were really a dynamic Christian family, they all had in common here. In fact, what was interesting about the survey, that as they pulled these things, they were all five very strong biblical principles. In fact, you could probably go on the internet, Google a bunch of sermons on families, and you would find many of these characteristics would show up in those sermons because they're biblical principles that are taught over and over and over. And so for the next two weeks, this morning and next week, I want to walk through those five and talk about those with you this morning. We're going to talk about two this morning. We'll pick up three. Now, this morning, I recognize not all of you are you know, married with kids at home. You have different dynamics. But I believe these principles can be effective in really wherever you're at in life. Even if you're single this morning, you might have to use the equation and how this works into your life but I believe even, even in that case, these can work into your life. So, so plug in and follow as, as we look at these. The first is this, that of these characteristics, the first one is that they model their faith authentically. The modeling of faith authentically. Here's what Proverbs says, 1426. Those who fear the Lord have a secure fortress, and for their children it will be a refuge. Those who fear the Lord. Do you know what the word fear means in the Old Testament? Well, it's a tricky little question because uh, it's not as easy as what we think about fear now. We watch one of those commercials on TV of some horror movie and we go, ooh, that's pretty scary. And we think of the word fear. Not quite grasp what the Old Testament means on fear. In fact, many have written many, many (laughs) pages on what the word fear means. Boiled down, the best it can be boiled down to about three words, it means surrender with awe is what it's saying there. So when we surrender with awe to the Lord, we have a secure fortress. And for our children, it'll be their refuge. What's a refuge? A safe place. So there's this interesting connection between the faith of parents 
and the kind of safety that's felt in the home. The home. Here's the thing that you need to know this morning on this point. Modeling faith is more important than teaching faith. Modeling your faith is more important than teaching faith. No, look, I'm not saying that you shouldn't teach your kids or get your kids into church or get your kids into Sunday school or, or a small group and those type of places where they're taught God's word. But know this morning what the word of God is telling us. It, it's more important that your kids see you over an extended period of time living a life that's centered around Jesus Christ. That's the key when it's centered. If this morning, if gathering around the dinner table in your family dinner, if spending that 30 minutes or 45 or an hour, however long you spend, is surrounded by kind of gossiping or talking about what the neighbors are doing or what so-and-so did, or I can't believe she did this, or that, that shrubs look terrible. They, if you spend your time that way, guess what you've done for your, your family? You've just modeled something for them. You've just modeled something. And they'll learn it. In fact, all the lessons that you might ever teach them about not talking bad about other people will be void because you've modeled something for them. In our Christian life, modeling faith is more important than teaching. We have to model it as parents as well. I think this is really good news for a lot of us because for for many parents, we feel inadequate about teaching our kids about the Bible anyway, right? We feel like, I don't know enough about the Bible. How can I teach them? They bring home their math homework at about fourth grade and like, we're done helping them. We don't know what to do after that point. You know, as soon as they throw an A or an X or a Y, we're like, I don't know. I don't know. So, you know, let's, you know, try it. Do something. I don't know. We think that about God's word sometimes. We can't, we can't now teach them because we don't know. Now, we're called to keep learning God's word and keep growing in God's word ourselves. But what we're really called to do as parents is not to put it into like that math equation that comes home on the homework sheet, but it's to model it, to live it out and let our kids see it. That's good news for many of us because our kids won't remember most of the formal lessons that we teach them in life. They'll remember the repetitive things that we say over and over, and they will remember the things that we do and that we model. And that's what the Bible's telling us. That's good news. I know a dad who has teenage daughters, and he does his daily devotion time every morning at the kitchen table. At the kitchen table. Now, you could call that grandstanding if you want, but this dad is wanting to impart on his daughters this image of opening up God's word and meeting with Jesus, and spending time walking through the Word. And so when they grab their lunch and their backpack, and they're in a rush out the door, like it, I think, plays out in most of our homes in the morning, the last thing their daughters are seeing is their dad engaged with the Lord, reading the Scripture and being in. That's modeling something for his kids. That's modeling something this morning. Modeling faith, it's more important than teaching Someone once said this, you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. Have you heard that before? Who are you? That's the question. Who are you? What does your faith lived out look like in front of your family? What does it look like? So how do we model this faith authentically? I think it just means simply inviting your kids to be a part of your faith journey. And listen to the word journey, because I think that that's an important word there. Because we haven't reached it as parents in our faith journey now, have we? We haven't reached it. We haven't reached a pedestal where all of a sudden we're there and we have nothing to gain in our Christian walk and in our Christian growth. 
And so why not invite our kids to come along with that? Why not invite our whole family to be a part of that journey? And that means there's times in our, our lives where things are going great and we're tracking with the Lord and we're, it, things are being revealed to us and we're reading God's word and we're so excited about what God is sharing with us. We come to something maybe like last night, the, the concert here with Renovatus, and we just we feel impacted by what God is doing among those that, that were here and, and with the group that's ministering. And we go home and energized and encouraged by that. We invite our kids into that, to be a part of that, and to share that with them, and and to teach them about that. When God provides something, and we share with our kids what he's done, and how he's provided. But you know what? It also means that we share in times of struggle as well. That we share with our kids. We invite our kids into the conversation. Times when, when maybe we feel distant from God. Times when we have even some doubts start to surface, and we're figuring out how to deal with those. It's inviting our kids to be a part of all of it. Sometimes it means that when it's time for parents, when it's time when we say, boy, we really need help and we're not quite sure what to do in this situation, that you invite your kids into that as well. Because what's the next step for us as believers when we enter into that type of feeling? We go to the Lord. We kneel before him and we plead with him. We send to him our requests and our petitions. We pray to him. We open up God's word and we read God's word and say, what does God's word have to teach us on this? Are we out of line in any place in our thinking? And what value is that for our kids and our family when we invite them to come along in that journey? For parents, if we feel like we put this wedge of protection that we don't want our kids to see when anything is not going as perfectly planned, we actually do them a disservice. Because what we have done is we've not taught them how to come before the Lord in these struggle times and to lay before them. And so we want to invite them, invite them along to be a part of that. And guess what else they get to see when that happens? They get to see someone who is genuinely seeking to follow Jesus. You know, it's amazing in life if you talk to people that are seeking Jesus or talking to people that are Christians how few people they might be able to genuinely name off who they would say, boy, they are really seeking Jesus in their life. They are really wrestling with the tough things of God and trying to put it into practice into their life. And you have the opportunity of parents to model it every single day when you invite your kids into the life, the joys and the struggles, and you invite them into that spiritual growth in your life. They get to see this real human being and one that they care a lot about trying to follow Jesus. Modeling our, our faith, it's more important than teaching our faith. So parents, don't buy into the lie that you have to be spiritually able, or you have to get everything in order perfectly, or you have to have, you have, to have so much trivia lined up that you know. You know this new game show that's out, this American Bible game show? I don't think I have the, sound, the name right. Um, I decided to watch it. I watched it two episodes back-to-back this week. Can I tell you how many questions I got right in that? I mean, this is like two hours worth of show, and I might have got two questions the whole time. I'm not going anytime soon on that game show because I'm going to embarrass you, that's for sure. But as parents, we think that sometimes. We only know two questions in two hours of game show. I probably can't teach my kids. That's a lie. And Satan will use it however he wants to keep you from modeling the faith with your kids. Also, parents, don't buy in to, don't buy into the lie that somebody else who knows more, that's the person that needs to model the faith more, my kid. That's not, not a lie you want to buy into. 
In fact, in church, we struggle with that a lot sometimes because we get into the mindset that I need to kind of send my kid to the paid professional and that person can teach them and that hour that they're there, that'll be enough to sustain them. Guys, can I tell you straight up, as somebody who's, who's employed by the church, it won't get it done. We're just not good enough. We're just, we're just not that, that clever in how we say things or, or not that deep in how we put together teachings or sermons. Modeling the faith is where it's at for all of us, you and me. Second thing these families, uh, this, this survey found, this, these families, they identify and they nurture uniqueness in their kids. They identify this. This is great news for us. Because I believe that the Bible is clear that we are all designed very unique and different, but we're all passionately loved by the Lord. That whatever you're good at is not what I have to be good at and vice versa. I used to have a friend, and uh, he did a lot of this running, triathlon, mud runs, you know, this type of stuff, you know. Um, And at the time, you know, I played church league softball. (laughs) That was about the extent of what was going on in my activity life, you know. But he always had this way of like, inviting me to join him for one of these runs. But the invitation that comes with a little jab that, you know, you're not really doing anything. You're playing church league softball. What do you do, run 60 feet or so? Um, And so there was always this kind of feeling like, you know, if he was running or triathloning or whatever he was doing, that there was this, you know, this betterment. And until I got to the point where I engaged in that same thing, you know, I could never be on the equal level of a fine, outstanding human being. <laughs> That's kind of how I felt. The Bible blows it out of the water. You know, God says, look, you're all uniquely, you're uniquely created. And he wants to reveal this to us as we live in life and as we grow. And the amazing thing as parents is we get to see this from birth. We get to see it year after year. We start to see our kids develop. We start to see the uniqueness of their personality. We start to see what their gifts and talents, their hopes and dreams, and it is revealed to them. It becomes like brighter and clearer. It reminded me of a scripture. It's in Proverbs. It says, The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter until the full light of day. And that the Lord keeps revealing to us who we are, what he's designed us for, what purpose we are, how unique we are. And as we grow and live our lives, it becomes clearer and clearer and clearer to us. And as parents, we get the opportunity to nurture this into our kids. In fact, we're probably, as parents, the first ones that will identify that in their lives. When TC was uh, just a couple months old, just a few months old, I think he was starting to sit up, and maybe he was starting to figure out how to lean forward and want to crawl. And, you know, as parents, you know, even though they might be several months shy of that, you're still like, come on, come on, you can do it. Because, you know, if they crawl early or walk early, you know, I got an Einstein or something. And we, that's what we were doing, you know, with that. And we were encouraging him, come on, come on, come on over to us. And even at that young, young age, TC had a look on his face. I can't even quite describe what it was, but he had his look on his face that was kind of like, no, you come here. <laughs> that was a look. No, no, I'm not going to come over there. Why would I come over there? You come here. You've been walking a long time. You come to me. Now, I'm not sure how to nurture that into TC or what I should do nurture-wise into that, but the point being you can identify those things even at a young age And the Lord has given us this responsibility and this joy to identify and then nurture and build in to our kids in this way. And it would be like the scriptures told us, we have the opportunity as we build into it to help those things be brighter and brighter 
to them and clearer and clearer because God has designed your child unique. You know, he's designed your child unlike any other child, and he has a special plan and path for them. Now, here's the danger zone. Sometimes as parents, we start to live vicariously through our kids, right? And we start to project onto them our own hopes and our own dreams or our own interests on top of them, our own preferences. And you know, you've seen this before in movies and TV shows, but in real life as well. It's like, you know, the the stereotypical dad in the movie who only wants his son to be the quarterback of the team and only wants him to be an athlete and don't let the schoolwork get in the way of that. Kind of a stereotype, but it's there. Or the family expects their kid to take over the family business when the the kid might show no interest in that. I did youth ministry for 16 years, and so many times I would see parents devastated, not because Johnny was out there doing drugs or, you know, knocking over convenience stores, but because um, their, their child chose to quit the choir or their child chose dance instead or their child was contemplating going to the rival college <laughs> that the parents went to. And things like that would literally devastate and would be difficult for parents to take. Can you, I mean, can you imagine what that does? Can you imagine how out of place that we might be? And the Reveal survey, in line with God's word, what it, what it shows us is that great parents, they take the time to figure out who their kids are and who they are becoming. They take time to figure that out. Can I, can I just brag on a family for a second? Is that okay? All right. When I first got here, I got to know the Rayner family. All right. And with the exception of them living way up in Summerfield and having to drive way up there, everything else about them I like a lot. So um, I learned very early on in this family. Um, In fact, my first statement to Sheree, don't take this the wrong way, was, you know, the Rainer's a little different. (laughs) Don't take this the wrong way. I'm going somewhere. (laughs) And when I looked and when, when we identified and explained what that meant, I said, they have really done a good job and identifying who their kids are and then launching them into opportunities to develop and to nurture that. And knowing that, that Caleb at such a young age has this kind of engineering type of interest. And when we went over their house and then pointing out the clubhouse that he built. Now, I was told the clubhouse was built before I went over there. And I want you to know I had a visual of what this clubhouse looked like. It involved a lot of cardboard and tape and things like that. This thing was amazing. <laughs> Amazing. I've tried to put together a swing set once, you know, and it looked nothing like that. And he designed this and built this. They've cultivated this into their kids. And as parents, we get this great opportunity to do this as well. God has given us the responsibility to build our kids and to grow our kids in the faith and in the Lord and lead them that direction. For many of us, when the kid was just a little squirt, we stood in front of a church And we pronounce that as a dedication before God's family. And God's family stood up and said in response, we'll help you along in the journey. We have that responsibility. But we also have within that the responsibility of helping them understand their uniqueness, that they're, they're different and they're special. And when we start to identify those things, then we start to build into them. For some of you, what you might need to hear today from the Lord is you don't need to send any more checks into the travel league that your kid plays in because it's just not really their interest if you take time to find out. They'd like to do something else. Build into that. Nurture them in that. Identify with them in that area and help them 
to start in these areas and cultivate. That's our biblical responsibility as our parents as well, to cheer them on in how the Lord has created them. Now, next week, we're going to look at three more of these family traits that I think can really uh, really connect with us as well. And I want to give you a little heads-up warning that as we look at these next week, a couple of them, they get, they get a little more powerful and a little more strong for us as parents to really grab hold of. And for some of us, sometimes that would kind of scare us away. We don't, uh, you know, we don't need to go listen to anything that's going to push us in a way we're not prepared. But I would encourage you, nonetheless, to come and to hear what God would have to say in that. In fact, I believe that you probably have parents that you interact with and you connect with, and you have the opportunity this week to say, look, I heard some things that were impactful for me uh, in my parenting, and I, I would like to encourage you to come. We're going to continue the list next week. I'd like to you to come and be a part of that and hear that as well. And if you want to catch up, that's always available online to listen to this week. But before we get to that next week, I want to finish off this week. I want to talk a little about this, uh, 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 these, the, these traits and really something that I think supersedes the entire list. If you're like me, and sometimes I get into this rut, is I get into checklist mode where I think if I, if I just walk down and I just check a few things off the list, I've gotten everything right with the Lord. I want to share with something that I think supersedes this all. There's this great story in the Bible and involves this character named, uh, <clears throat> named Joshua. There's this time when Joshua, he calls the whole nation together, all of God's people. And this is a big, big number. I know when you watch it in a movie, there's like 20 people gathered around. But in big, big number here, and he's gathered this, this group together, and he's going to speak to this group, and he's going to talk to them. And now it's a long speech that I won't walk through the whole thing. But you see, you got to remember, Joshua... He saw a lot in his time. He knew the stories of God's promise of the land, the promised land that they would go into. He saw God's people disobey and knew the stories of their disobedience. He knew how they wandered the wilderness. He knew that every single one of them that doubted God, that wanted to turn and go back to the land of slavery, he knew how none of them entered the promised land. Joseph knew this. And now as leader, as leader of the people, he stood and this is what he says to the people. He says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable for you, then choose for yourself this day whom you'll serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in the land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. It's a powerful thing that Joshua was standing up and saying to his people. He is saying to him, look, do what you're going to do. Go do it. But I want to stand before you as your leader and tell you that we're going to serve the Lord in my family. And that's what I'm going to model in my leadership to you. This morning, parents, don't let your kids hijack the family and run with it. They'll go. They'll go with it. Not because they're bad kids, but because you've allowed it. But stand up as parents this morning and say, we're going to serve and follow the Lord. How do we, this morning, as we walk through a couple of these traits we talked about, how do we identify and nurture our kids' uniqueness? How do we model our faith? How do we do anything that we're going to talk about next week if first we haven't let this faith be nurtured into our own life? If we haven't first taken our own spiritual inventory about what's going on in my life, in my heart, in my own walk with the Lord. 
Parents, the biggest responsibility you have if you want to disciple your kids is to let yourself be discipled. You can't disciple your kids well, not over an extended period of time, without letting the Lord disciple you as well. And so this morning, parents, it might be for you, the best decision you'll make today is to say right away, in this moment, this afternoon, or whenever, I'm just going to get quiet before the Lord, and I'm going to let the Lord evaluate where am I at? Where am I at in my journey with him? Where am I at in my growth with him? How have I really surrendered to him? How have I really allowed God's word to infiltrate my home and be the guide that we live like? And then I'm going to say, God, now give me your strength. Give me your way. Give me your wisdom and how to lead my family and lead my family well. Parents, this morning, that may be the thing to put into practice even before the two traits that we talked about this morning. Let me tell you, though, most of the time that we spend at the church doing, uh, whether it's counseling or just talking or those type of things, most of the time it involves some family dynamic, a marriage situation, a kid's situation. Most of the time, 90% or so, it involves a family dynamic. So you can see how significant it is to walk the steps that we've talked about this morning, how significant it is to evaluate what the Lord is doing in your life and what you've allowed him to do, and then say, I'm going to get up and go with it now and let the Lord lead and guide. 10 years, 20 years down the road, as we talked before, when the evidence come forth, your kids still may go out on their own and make their own decisions. And, and many times we even hear stories of kids that have walked away from God. But the testimony that you built into them, that you built into them these qualities and traits, not because you read it in a great book, but because you surrendered to it yourself, that's going to be a powerful testimony to hear. Two weeks from now, we're actually going to sit and listen to some, some families, some families that have battled tough things and have come through on the other side. And we'll hear that interview in, in a couple weeks. I think it's going to be a, a, just a, a strong thing for us to hear and a blessing for us. Well, let me go before and pray. And as I'm praying, I, I want to offer an invitation, not one to, to come forward or raise your hand, but just an, an invitation to, for you to just go before God and do a little business with them this morning, especially as it relates to the things that we've talked about this morning. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for our families. And Lord, we recognize that uh, in our families, there are times we will confess, Lord, that we've probably stopped and said, I wish it was fill in the blank. I wish it was different. I wish it looked like this. I wish it didn't have to do with this. I wish there was more finances coming in. I wish, 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 Lord. But Lord, what we really need to see this morning is that your word does teach us a way. It teaches us a way to parent. It teaches us a way to live. And the promise of your word is that you bring better life with it. In fact, so I think that is so much, Lord, that if that, was, if that promise was disproven, that it doesn't bring anything, Lord, we should just throw our Bibles away. But Father, we believe in your word. We believe what your word's trying to tell us. Lord, that if we would just surrender to you and walk in the way that your scripture is teaching us, to live that way, and then model that faith to our kids, to live it out in front of them. And Lord, then to identify, Lord, their uniqueness and how clever you've been and how you've created them, Lord, and we would nurture those things. And Lord, we know those things sometimes are things that as parents, we'll be honest, that cause us frustration. 
that you would push us by that and you would help us to nurture and build into our kids and that one day we stand looking at them as a grown man or woman and we look at it with joy because you've led us in how to build into them. This morning, Lord, I recognize, Lord, that there's probably a significant group in this room that the real issue going on in their life and in their parenting and in their family is in their own walk with you. In their own time with you, Lord, they, they haven't taken the time in the last weeks or months or even years to be discipled by your word, to be built into by your scripture, to let a, a strong Christian friend be a mentor to them, to getting to, into your house on a regular basis and be taught and be part of the fellowship and be built into. And this morning, maybe the key commitment that you need to make this morning may be just to surrender and say, Lord, I want to start again with you. Disciple me, build into me. Let your word infiltrate my heart and my life. I want to be a model to my kids. Even as I'm talking, you can be saying your own prayer to the Lord doesn't have to be any special language or fancy words. It can just be something similar. Just let it roll off your heart. God hears it, receives it with great joy. Now, Lord, this week I know we're going to be tested. For some of us, it's going to be hard. For some of us, just because we heard a sermon we might a lot like doesn't mean the difficulties and problems in our home have gone away. We go right back into dealing with them. But, Lord, I pray that we would deal with it with a different perspective a different presupposition, a different starting point that's built by you and in your word. But Lord, I'm gonna pray for grace for those who are gonna be dealing with very difficult marriages this week. They can't see the light. I wanna pray for those, Lord, that have an extremely hard child situation, no matter what the age. I wanna pray for the one that goes away this week and the only thing, even though they would say great things were preached, they would go home today and the only thing they feel is I can't have a kid. And they're still in that great pain. I wanna pray for your grace on them this week. That you would just cover them over with your peace and your love and you would just tell them, hold on, hold on. And Lord, I think there's some that might just need strength because they've been encouraged and inspired by your word this morning and they want to go and they want to deal with a a strong and a difficult situation. I want to pray strength on that person. Give them the courage and the wisdom and how to deal with that situation. May May they be armed with your word and to walk that way. Lord, there's so many other family dynamics. Just don't come to mind. But Lord, I know that they're going up before you across this room. Receive them, Lord. Answer that prayer. Give them all the tools necessary to deal with it, even starting at this moment. We lift it to you, Lord. We trust you. Claim your promises and give you the glory. We pray in your son's name. Amen.